Good morning, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. This is Luke Gerlach from Think Chat, and we are at confession number 68, Designing for Language Learners. Welcome back, friends. I know it's been a minute. I thought when I became a full-time educational consultant, I would have oodles of time to be able to um, create episodes for my podcast, but that would not be true. In fact, I feel like I have less time um, now that I'm doing uh, tons of other projects and training full-time. So I apologize. It's been a minute since we've had a chance to be together. But I'm hoping with the upcoming holiday season, there'll be more time to um, create and innovate and share with you some really great ideas to help shake up the middle of the school year for us. Now, we have had a chance um, in the last episode to talk about how the learning space design truly impacts Um, how students learn, and the level of agency that they have to explore within their learning. Now we're going to get specific. Um, Over the next few episodes, we're going to look at the specificity of the language learner, the gifted learner, and the learner with special needs, because they all have different things that they need in order to be able to thrive within the classroom setting. So have you ever considered the language learner? And I know many of us have. Many of us are saying, Lou, of course I have. But having been a language learner as a child, I can speak from experiences and I'm probably more sensitive to their needs um, while they're acquiring, you know, English as an additional language. In addition to my school experiences, you know, I've often also reflected upon my time when I moved to a foreign country where I didn't speak the language. In my case, I moved to Germany to learn about my German heritage and to connect. And, you know, I followed some advice that was probably not the best, that I didn't need to know German because the city was one of the most friendly, which it was, but also most English speaking, which it wasn't. And I sometimes, not sometimes, I greatly struggled and continuously walked in a haze. I was trying to navigate the social landscape of this new place I was living in. And I often felt disconnected from those minor social interactions that make a huge difference in your life, such as going to the grocery store and making small talk with a clerk, you know, talking with your neighbors and getting to know them and just in general feeling part of the community. And I never will forget this one spring afternoon where I made a big boo-boo. And this is all about social interaction. I remember walking down this beautiful spring afternoon It was absolutely quiet. And where I lived was a lot of apartments with a lot of children. And it was silent. And I thought at the time, why is it so silent? Maybe they're in school. But then it was in the afternoon. And as I was walking down the street, I remember, you know, thinking like, I don't even hear really people coming out of the subways, um, no one chatting by the doctor's office or the pharmacy, 
What's going on? And as I was coming around a corner, I remember seeing a, a couple of police officers and they were running towards me and starting to basically speaking rapidly at me. And, and can you imagine how overwhelming that was? And I was, and at first I was just sitting there blank. And then I said, uh, I don't speak German very much. And then they instantly turned to English and said that on every building, there was a long letter explaining that they found a, a World War II bomb that had been buried in the yard and that they were trying to excavate it and they had evacuated the area. But because it was in so much text with very little, you know, graphics or whatnot, I didn't pay attention to it. I, I thought, oh, okay, this is something about cleaning or whatever. And now, you know, I think about it, how scary that could have been had that bomb detonated. And I was one of the only people in the area. Right. And thinking about that, what is, you know, our role as educators? You know, I'm thinking about this piece here. Oftentimes when we deliver curriculum that's long and lengthy with no cues of what this could possibly be. Even for a child, you know, I was thinking about it. Well, what if you had a non-German speaking parent in the household? There's a lot of Turkish people in Germany. But you, at least if you had some of the symbols of a bomb going off and that sort of thing, it, that would make it a much easier for your German language learners right? Such as myself. So transitioning this back to the classroom experience, are we providing lengthy lists of tasks for our learners to do? And are we providing a classroom that is devoid of any type of earmarks of how to proceed, right? So think about yourself as a practitioner. Are you making language acquisition in whatever language it is, easier or harder because that right there is huge right huge 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 and of course since i'm thinking from the lens of an english language learner i should really think about this from any language learner right whether it's spanish whether it's arabic or cantonese it doesn't matter right in regards to um the same process is the same. So there are three main areas where I think that we could do a lot better in supporting our language learners. So it's about labels, it's about visuals and visible thinking. So I'm going to pack what these things mean to me um, and take them or leave what I have to say. But I think that they greatly impact the effectiveness of a language learner whatever it might be. Now, labels. That might sound like an old school strategy. And I believe a classroom is more inclusive of language learners when spaces are, are labeled with words and pictures. It not only provides each section, you know, a, a, a role, right? A, a purpose. But it also allows our language learners to be able to navigate independently. And isn't that our number one goal to have them walk out of the PYP experience being independent? The things that greatly help my 
German acquisition and acculturation were the visual cues that guided society. You know, through simple images and symbols, I was able to guide myself through several social situations with grace and minimal language. And this was a huge turning point um, in feeling like I could contribute and operate within society. So I'll give you an example. People would often say, choose at the end of when I purchased something or walking out of a shop. And I remember asking my language instructor, what does this choose, choose, choose mean? She said, all they're saying is goodbye. So even if I didn't say anything while purchasing materials, I could replicate that I that word choose, choose, right? It's not, it still doesn't roll off my tongue, choose, right? Um, but at least it would somewhat sound like I'm contributing and people would say, choose back. And I would feel like, okay, at least I'm engaging. I'm not being rude, right? Because I don't have the language. The same thing is what your learners are going through as they're learning that social language, as they're learning that academic language. It's a really difficult thing. And also, you know, simple words, obviously, that's why we do sight words, right? And that's why we're building those um, simple vocabulary words to get them to be able to operate. Finding simpler terms for ordering food, you know, asking for items in a grocery store, being able to read labels, and knowing the difference between shower gel and, you know, body lotion was huge for me. And this all sounds rather simple, but it made my life so much easier to navigate within Germany and also the surrounding areas that spoke German. And I'm thinking about our language learners within our classrooms. Since most of us, especially in international schools, within um, if we're in English-speaking schools, how are we allowing those simple terms to be found? How are we allowing students to have those labels. It's so important that we have visuals and words to go along so that that A, they're able to retrieve materials easily and B, they're able to code switch between their primary language and the language of acquisition, right? So, so important. And so having all our materials labeled in the, you know, in our host country language and the language of instruction. And if you are in an English um, host country, then what is your additional language that you guys are having uh, within your school? This is gonna be a huge support to your learners. Even better is having those pictures, like I talked about, of the items, let's say in containers and baskets and drawers. So they're able to acquire, you know, this new academic vocabulary. Um, words at a faster rate that are within the context of their daily lives. Now, learning space design has a huge impact on how our language learners progress and adapt to their new environment. So what are some simple things that we can do to make it easier for them to adjust and acquire to an additional language? So that's something that is very, very huge. Now, at this point, we're pivoting now towards visuals. 
You're wondering how visuals are different from the pictures on your resources. Well, I'm going to go, you know, one step further beyond this, right? So that you don't, you know, feel like, what the heck? You know, I, like I told you, I was a English language learner at an early age that a lot of my language acquisition, I don't remember. I do remember coming to the United States, not speaking English, and then being thrust into kindergarten, into an all English environment, and quickly having to acquire this additional language. My father is American, my mother's Korean, and they only spoke Korean in Korea. And I didn't realize until recently that my father didn't engage with me while I was an early, you know, early um, learner as a young child because of that language acquisition. And what's really interesting, though, is that it a lot of these feelings and these um, experiences came back to me when I was living in Germany and also while I was living in Dubai is that, you know, there are some things that helped me working within a dual language classroom of acquiring German um, and acquiring more of that deeper German vocabulary. Am I great at speaking a lot of German? No, but I can read a heck of a lot more. Like when people are posting in German, I can get the gist of the idea. And that's huge if you can do that, right? So a lot's gone in there. And so some things that I think for visuals that a lot of people um, do, um, how are we maximizing some tools? So there are tools that we commonly use, but let's look at how can we maximize them so that they work to our advantage. And I'm going to come back to, well, what if, actually, I'm going to speak to it now. What if I only am speaking in English and now the second language of instruction is in Spanish? Well, then why don't we get some translations for some things from our Spanish staff, right? To help us. And we try to find them ourselves because simple sight words, you can find those online, right? And as you're getting more and more, oh, having that duality is going to be beautiful. So let's look at our word walls. Having a dual language word wall really helps with transference between two or more languages because, and also representing the language of your learners, right? And a visual of that word just cements what that word means, right? So having um, meaningful station work using the word wall, especially if it's like in a pocket chart format, um, makes the language acquisition much easier by placing both words together. So for instance, in my um, school in Germany, it was a dual language campus, German and English. You know, learners were able to grasp concepts more quickly because we had the duality of the language. Also thinking, how are you going to incorporate the mother tongue of the students that are at home? And, you know, that's something that's very important in that piece. Um, speaking of vocabulary work, you know, I remember one time um, taking my central idea and trying to translate it into the language of the students in my classroom and had them go, you know, work in the classroom, but also take the stuff home 
to have it looked at by their parents. And what was really amazing is I had Japanese, um, you know, I had different languages. I had Spanish, but I had different types of Spanish because of different regions. And the really pivotal moment was um, I asked if they could translate in Arabic. Then come to find out that there were six different dialects of Arabic within my classroom. And they asked, could they write it in their home dialect? And I'm like, of course. So then what happened at the end is we had all these iterations of different types of um, Arabic and different languages of the center idea. Don't tell me that doesn't make a powerful statement that all languages are valued here. So thinking about that in regards to your word walls and your language, how are we incorporating as much as we can with, um, you know, the languages within our classroom? So now another thing is small groups um, station work. I know a lot of us utilize small groups where um, we're able to do some small group intervention guided practice, you know, at a table. And then we're having other children rotate as they go through station work so we can pull children in new groups. And one thing I think is a, is powerful is providing a lot of visuals and accompanying word banks um, at the small group station table. A lot of times we go straight to the discrete skill, but how are we providing opportunities that the students can be successful and be able to exercise their agency, but pull from a word bank um, and this allows learners to use them to create more open-ended tasks and reflect their language um, level of development. And, you know, I'd, I'd pair this with the simple choice board to guide the thinking to connect to the big ideas of our unit of inquiry. You know, in this way, we're maximizing the vocabulary development and also connecting to social studies and science and, you know, what's in the context of the moment rather than making isolated lessons what that don't connect and they don't have any buy-in. So brilliant. So thinking about that. Now, the next piece is our visible thinking. How are we connecting our visible thinking? Um, this is through the process of using um, different types of ways of visual tools to help the learners track their thinking. So thinking about anchor charts. I know teachers love their anchor charts and they keep them for years and laminate them and get them off Pinterest. But instead, why don't we get our learners to create the anchor charts? Have them be able to chronicle the process for students, A, who don't know, it's going to be in kid-friendly language and it's also going to give more ownership to our learners. Now, you're saying, but but what happens with um English language learners who don't have the vocabulary. Well, you put them into heterogeneous groupings and have those children express their ideas. And then the, those that are more proficient are creating the writing of the anger chart. And those less proficient are creating the visuals. Beautiful. Visible thinking routines. I don't hide my love for the Harvard Project Zero visible thinking routines. They're simply amazing. They give all the power to the learner, but also ask them to take responsibility for the thinking. Our role is to set the stage so that they can, you know, do it collaboratively or individually to reflect. And for language learners, you know, they've got so many ideas bottled up inside of them. 
They might not have those words. That's the key, right? But the power is in the collaboration. If they're once again able to share their ideas and be able to work around the language that they don't know, describe, hey, I'm thinking about something that do, 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 right? We do this all the time. It, and then those with more proficiency say, oh, that's what this is called in English. Are you meaning this and having them show the visual and talking about and that exchange, they're going to have more chance to engage with language acquisition and also find a deeper meaning um, and application as they work together. Nothing is better when all kids feel included in the thinking process and they see their work being displayed within and beyond the classroom, even though they don't have the language skills. So powerful. So that's probably a bit more than you wanted this morning, but I know that all this stuff works. So let's think about how are we including our, le- the how is our lesson, des- our, not lesson design, but our learning design, our learning space design, designed so that all learners, especially English language learners, are included in the process. As always, have a blessed day and see you next time.